just as I am. Welcome to the Gospel Saves Podcast, a program that discusses all matters related to the Christian faith. Please visit thegospelsaves.me. You can also visit The Gospel Saves on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And Welcome back. On this episode, I want to wrap up our study of the problem of evil. I've attempted to give a biblical answer to this perplexing question, but I know I haven't given a comprehensive answer. There are a lot of ins and outs that can be explored on this topic, and I would encourage you to study more for yourself, to look into what the Word of God has to say. And I've mentioned a couple of books along the way. The Problem of Pain by C.S. Lewis I found to be very helpful. I've also found Norman Geisler's book, If God, Why Evil, to be a very helpful treatment on the subject. So there's a lot more that could be said, and there's a lot of other issues that could be explored, but I would rather spend this episode summarizing what I've talked about the past few weeks, and then in the next episode we'll move on to a new topic. So the past few weeks we've thought about evil. What is evil? Why does evil exist? Why do bad things happen to us? How can we deal with evil? And ultimately, can we overcome evil? So what is evil? Well, thinking back to the very earliest episodes in this series, we talked about how evil cannot exist on its own. It requires a good thing in order to exist. Evil is like rust on a car. Evil is like uh, a wound on your arm. Evil is like rot on a tree. Evil cannot exist in the absence of good. So evil is not the absence of good. It's not the opposite of good. It's a corruption of what is good. At the end of creation, God surveyed all that he had created in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, and he said it was all good. So if everything was good when God created it, and evil is a corruption of what is good, where did evil come from? Did God create evil? Well, as we talked about a few episodes ago, God did not create evil. He created the possibility for evil. Why does evil exist? Well, evil exists because man misused the good gift of free will. In the garden, God set the parameters for Adam and Eve. He told them they could eat of every tree except for one. He set a consequence if they chose to eat of that tree. On the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And then God stepped away, and he allowed man to make his choice. Adam and Eve gave into temptation. They chose to eat the forbidden fruit. And for this reason, Adam is held responsible for the entrance of sin and evil into the world. As Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse number 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. So God did not create evil. He created the possibility of evil by giving mankind this wonderful gift of free will. But we misused that. And by the misuse of free will, we introduced sin and evil into the world. Now, one of the more difficult questions we've explored along the way is, why do bad things happen to us? 
I try to be a good person. Why do bad things happen to me? Well, let's not forget that there are two types of evil. There's moral evil, which the Bible calls sin, and then there's natural evil, things like physical pain or sickness or death or forces of nature that lead to death, things like mudslides or tornadoes or hurricanes or buildings collapsing. All of those would constitute natural evil. Sometimes bad things happen to us because we commit moral evil. We sin. This is uh, the reason why bad things happen to us when we sin is because of the law of sowing and reaping that Paul articulates in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. There are consequences for sinful choices. This was first taught to us in the garden by Adam and Eve. What happened when Adam and Eve committed sin? Well, their conscience was awakened, specifically their guilty conscience. That guilty conscience was activated, and they were ashamed for what they did. They also learned in that moment that they were vulnerable, vulnerable to die, and they were afraid. And because they chose to eat of the fruit, they were removed from the garden. So there are consequences for choosing to sin. Moral evil sometimes does lead to natural evil. We suffer consequences because of risky or sinful behavior. But that's not the only reason why bad things happen to us. Sometimes we pay the consequences for other people's sins. You might remember Jesus talked about in Luke chapter 13, verse number 1, how Pilate had slaughtered a group of Galileans while they were offering sacrifices at the temple. What a terrible atrocity. These people were victims of someone else's sin, and that happens, unfortunately. We see the church persecuted all throughout the book of Acts. We see examples in human history of genocide. We see the pogroms carried out in places like Eastern Europe and Russia back in the late 19th and early 20th century and even before that. People suffer because of other people's sins. So that's one other reason why bad things happen to good people. And sometimes bad things happen to us simply because we live in a world that is ruled by sin and death. Job's children were crushed when a house collapsed from a windstorm. What a terrible, terrible tragedy. But that's just part of living in the world. In Luke chapter 13, verse number 4, Jesus talks about how a tower fell and killed 18 people. Did they deserve to die? Jesus says, no, they didn't deserve to die because they were sinners. They just died because of a terrible tragedy. Bad things happen because this world is ruled by sin and death. It's what Solomon talks about in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, when he says, Time and chance happen to us all, like fish caught in a cruel net, like birds caught in a snare. So the sons of men are snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. It's possible to just be in the wrong place at the wrong time and to suffer pain, to suffer grievous consequences, not because of any choice we've made necessarily, but simply because we live in this world, this world that is ruled by sin and death. So bad things happen to us because we live in a world that is ruled by evil, moral evil and natural evil. So how do we deal with the pain and suffering of the world? How do we deal with evil? Well, some people choose to reject that God even exists because pain and suffering exist. They just can't 
possibly believe that there is such a thing or such a person as a good God. This was Epicurus's conclusion when he asks that series of questions. Is God willing to prevent evil but not able? Then he is not omnipotent. Is he able but not willing? Then he is malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Then whence cometh evil? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? So Epicurus just threw away the concept of God completely. He just could not reconcile the idea of God existing alongside pain and suffering. The flaw in Epicurus's reasoning, at least as I see it, is that this assumes that all suffering serves no purpose. And that's not what we learn. We learn by experience and by what the Bible reveals that We cannot reach our full potential without sacrifice and suffering. We only need to look to the examples of people like Olympic athletes or Navy SEALs or high-altitude mountain climbers to realize that we have to make sacrifices, we have to suffer in order to achieve all that we are capable of achieving. And that's the Bible's message as well. In Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, Paul says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Suffering can be harnessed for our good if we will allow it. So this helps us to to deal with evil, realizing that going through this time of pain, going through this time of sacrifice, going through this time of suffering can shape my character. It can help me grow stronger. It can help me become all God wants me to be. But there are other things that help us deal with evil. We remember that there is something that lies beyond death. Suffering will only last for a time, and what awaits after death, or I should I say, the the potential for what awaits after death is wonderful. This is the hope that the Bible talks about, the hope that all the pain and suffering, all the futility and meaninglessness and purposelessness of the world will fade away, and we will be with God in eternity. This also tells us that God will hold us accountable for our choices, and that sense of ultimate accountability holds us in check. It helps us to make better decisions. So remembering that something better lies beyond this life helps us to deal with evil. Something else helps us to deal with evil. Remembering that there is a malevolent force at work in the world. Satan is that serpent who tempted Eve. He is the prince of this world. He is a fallen archangel of great power, and he opposes us. He is our accuser, he is our deceiver, he is a tempter, and his ultimate weapon is the fear of death. We have to remember that Satan is working against us, that there is indeed absolute evil at work in the world. But we also must remember that Satan is a created being. He is not of equal power or authority with God, so even though it seems like he is a foe which cannot be defeated, that is not the case. But remembering that he is at work in the world does help us deal with evil. Which leads us to our final question. Is it possible to overcome evil? The answer to that question is yes. God's answer to evil is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus participated in human suffering. He was tempted in all points as we are, 
yet without sin. He understands the pull of desire, and he sympathizes with us. He sympathizes with us when we're struggling with temptation. Jesus also was moved to relieve the suffering of others. He healed the lame and the blind and the leprous. He had compassion for the widows and for those who grieved. He was touched by human suffering. So he is acquainted with sorrow. He is acquainted with grief. God has not remained distant from us. He has been a full participant in the human experience. And ultimately, Jesus experienced a cruel and unjust death. He was falsely accused and sentenced to death on the basis of those false accusations. And the death he endured was a barbaric execution. He died in a barbaric way. So Jesus gets it. He knows what it's like to be human. He is touched by human sufferings. He's been in our shoes. He's been in our sandals, so to speak. He's walked the paths that we have walked, and he knows what it feels like. So yes, in Jesus Christ, we have God's answer to suffering, and this has been God's plan all along. It was God's design from the very beginning to give us a suffering Savior. He foresaw our need. He saw us making this choice in the garden, and he knew that there would be pain and suffering that came as a result. And so he made a plan. And he knew that in sending his son to live alongside of us, his son would experience the full gamut of what we experience in the world. In Isaiah 53, he predicted that the Messiah would confront disease and disabilities and horrific death, that he would experience loneliness and heartbreak and rejection. So God did not remain distant from our suffering. He participated in it, and he provides a way to overcome it in Jesus Christ. So the answer to the problem of evil is simple. The answer is Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Gospel Saves podcast. If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find Acapeldridge on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know His perfect will.